Welcome back to Living Every Now podcast. My name is Jake. And my name is Will. And today we're talking about an important lesson that I think we all need to hear. And especially if you're creative. And I just want to set the set the ground and framework and, and foreground, I guess, before we get dive deeper into this. I'm coming from a place where I didn't always understand this. I I learned this lesson. Yeah. And I'm I'm here to share it. And I don't expect you to get it. Uh, if you're new to new to creating, I don't think anyone gets this lesson initially because yeah. it's too much fun not to get it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have the sneak peek. What we're talking about today is resources, uh, more or less, and we're talking about the fact that I think it's really easy to get caught up in. I need this to do this. I need blank to achieve this. I need this to do this. Blank. 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 You're putting things in front of your goals or your your creations at the end of the day. And I'm here to tell you that you don't need those things. And I've learned this. You don't need those things to create great things, to create other things. So stop. Um, this is a public service announcement, a public service announcement to stop making excuses for yourself, really. And stop letting resources hold you back from making the best stuff you possibly can. Um, so yeah, that's that's the intro. I love that intro. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm totally on board with this. I'm I I think I've been on this wave for a little bit. You have. You have. And like free open source software is always you used to tell me about and you know, doing things the most minimal way just because you have your code background and a lot of things on mm-hmm. in that side of the creativity are free. Yeah. And I think people very consistently underestimate the value of practice. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're starting out, it's so much easier to trick yourself into thinking you can buy yourself into success right. than work your way into success. But they don't realize that it's actually easier just to do the work because buying it, you know, if you're, I don't know, what's a good example for this? Well, you can, music obviously is a good example. Yeah, music's but. a good example. But I think like too, you know, we all know that kid on the sports teams that showed up the first day and they were ass and they were decked out in the latest gear and they just looked like an asshole because they were decked out in the latest gear and they sucked at the sport. Mm-hmm. Like you can't wear cool shit on the, on the sports field if you suck at sports. That's just like an unwritten rule <laughs> of sports. And you can't look cool out there if you suck because then you just look like a poser. You know, no, what I but mean? you still look cool as hell wearing that arm yeah. sleeve, whatever, <laughs> your little elbow sleeve. Yeah. You look like a you look like a, it's just bad. It's a whole bad situation. And it's, it's not the same because I'm not trying to say don't be a poser. Um, although don't be a poser. <laughs> what I want to get at is that that's the takeaway, right? Prioritize more practice in your mind instead of wanting more resources. Um, I just think it's really easy to get distracted. We've had a whole episode about this tool traps, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many fancy, buzzy, spinny things that try and capture your attention when really, let's let's bring it back to music for, for a second. Me making a song is all I'm supposed to be doing. All the other stuff I have to worry about, mixing, mastering, cover art, blah, 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 blah. Even gear don't matter as much as just being able to make a piece of music or a tune that I have an instrument right here, always. I can make any sound with this. With my mouth. I'm pointing to my mouth uh, for those of you listening on, on the streaming services. And that is 
very freeing when you realize that that's the only tool you really need and you you're born with it. And so if and what I've what I've taken away from this was if a song and this is a heuristic that I use now even. So if a song I make doesn't sound good on just a guitar and just me singing, it's not a good song. And no amount of mixing, production, mastering, gear, equipment, anything, great promo, great marketing budget is going to make that song better. It's not. So if I can't get it right from the very core and like first principle idea of a song, then I can't, then I'm not making good songs. And what I really need to do is practice making good songs. And then maybe throw some resources in there. But it's easy to get distracted by those things at first and then forget that that's why we're here. It's just to make the core for, like fundamental thing. Mm-hmm. When you were starting out in music, did you initially believe that better gear would make you better? I don't think, I don't think you believe that explicitly, but I do think you kind of tell that lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. That you tell that lie to yourself that if I just had this mic, if I just was recording on this, and it's easy when you have no resources to kind of, well, I guess it's easier when you have more resources to be like, I don't, I didn't need all these resources yeah. to, to make it. It's harder when you have no resources because I've been in both boats. When I have no resources and be like, oh, if I just had this, I could sound like that. But like when you just are starting, you shouldn't be focused on sounding like professionals because you don't have you don't have what it takes to be a professional yet. You need to practice just making songs and don't worry about all the gear. It's just a distraction. Like if I if I'd spent all the time I spent worried about the gear I didn't have and sp- put that energy into music, I'm sure I'd be better than I am right now. Hmm. So that's why I feel like this is an important lesson. Anyway, where this started for me was one conversations with you. You've always been on this wave. I feel like of just not always. Okay. Yeah, definitely not. When I was in seventh grade, this is kind of nasty, actually. I was on the basketball team, <laughs> and I had one really, really good pair of socks. And they weren't actually good socks, but they just had a Nike logo on them, and I wanted to be cool. I was being Tight. a poser. Tight. And I wore them every day to practice and then got warts on my feet because I never washed them. Ew. So that is my nasty story about <laughs> – that is how I learned that uh, good socks don't make you good at basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they might be lucky. Nope. Okay, <laughs> I was still bad at basketball. <laughs> um, okay, so what? I, I guess I had learned it from you. As long as I've known you, you've been on a wave mm-hmm. of sort of this this sort of context. I saw this video by Casey Neistat that hammered it home for me because obviously we're we're into video. We're making videos right now. Uh, at some level, that's part of the creative process in a modern creative toolkit. And if you're a musician, being able to capture that on video is an important part of sharing your work. So naturally, I had an interest in video. I get to Casey Neistat's YouTube channel. He's a popular uh, YouTuber or was a popular YouTuber, if you've never heard of him. And he basically made this whole video about diminishing returns and how there's a huge gap between this camera quality and and the next step up, which is like $800 step up. But once you get to like $2,000 camera and then you step up $10,000 to a $12,000 camera, this the, the gains that you make on that step up are much less than this big chunk that you spent less to get more of, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there's just diminishing returns as you get higher and pay more money for cameras. And so his point was like, Stop paying money for cameras. Like if you you have an iPhone, if you just 
capture a good story on an iPhone. Like a good story is a good story is a good story is a good story. And he's proven it over and over and over again. He's used like little Nikons and little bullshit GoPros and all kinds of little stupid cameras to, to tell fantastic stories. And his point is, is that the story is the important part. The story is the thing you need to get practice doing, not having the nicest camera with the lens flare and the UV filter and the, the most opaque, uh, or whatever, what is it? Uh, oh, bokeh. Yeah. The, the most beautiful bokeh in the back. You don't need all that. The point is like when you get that cool, great. But if you got that and you didn't want, didn't have the skill set of telling great stories, that's still going to be a shitty video. It's not going to be a great video because you had the resources now. And that was, that was really kind of, that pushed me over the hump, I feel like, just kind of buying more into it. And then I guess doing it myself too was a lot of affirmation towards being on this wave huh. for me personally. Then we, we both had talked about this, Steve Lacey, right? Oh, yeah. Steve Lacey, amazing producer, amazing uh, guitarist, amazing singer, and... He's a very popular musician at this point. He very famously released his first demo tape and beats for Kendrick Lamar and many other songs after with an iPhone, GarageBand, which is a free recording software, and a guitar that he would iRig. iRig is this little adapter that makes your guitar into an input on your iPhone. He would iRig right into his iPhone to record songs. And he made all his songs in, in GarageBand, the cheapest, well, it's free, the rec uh, free recording software and a guitar and an iPhone. And I think that stuff's so cool. That is amazing. It's amazing because it, it's, it, drives this home, it drives this point home perfectly. It's like Steve Lacey makes better songs than me and he did it on an iPhone. What does that say about me? You know, I, I can do much better with what I have and now I need to, practice more and get better at what I do. It's inspiring. I was very inspired by that. So um, I'm really proud about Born in the Sunset because it was all done on that Squire guitar that's $100. And that means a lot to me because I know I had to, I know I didn't have good resources and I made the best out of it. And I was really proud of that coming from a place where I didn't quite understand this and then getting to a place where I made the most out of the resources I have. I didn't make excuses. Like I got it done. I made something great. Mm -hmm. So what is your relationship to it now that you soon will have the ability to improve your home studio quality? Right. That's, that's important because I do think at a certain point, well, the relationship was carried with me. I, I still believe in that fervently and I still carry that heuristic. If it doesn't sound good on me and a guitar, it's not a good song. And I think that that's a very important lesson that I need to carry with me forever because that's that's the music I care about. It's good, it's good on a guitar and, and a vocalist. That's that's good music, in my opinion. Um, how it translates, though, is and I don't want this to be. I don't want to breeze over this point. Is that there is a very real threshold you can reach where resources will allow you to do more. And for me right now, it's sonically. I really want a bass instrument. And I, yeah, I could go rent a bass, but like owning a bass is is much more convenient. Blah 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 blah. Uh, for me, I do want to step up my actual guitar system. But as far as like, you know, I don't need to make this a professional studio. I think I ha having this mindset and having the knowledge that I got from working at the studio, I think I can make this the cheapest and most effective home studio with the gear possible. Now, that point 
where you reach a threshold and gear will actually help you and make your quality better or make your sound better is much further down the line than any of us ever think. And mm-hmm. that's what I want to say about that. Like, yes, there is a point, but it's way, 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 way further than you think. Mm-hmm. Like, I probably could still make much more stuff even though I want to get new gear. I, I actually know I could still make great songs. But that's kind of why I feel okay getting gear is because mm-hmm. I know I can make great songs without it. Mm-hmm. In your last episode about authenticity, you gave the example of Trey Young who yeah. started specializing in his basketball game because he was kind of forced to because of his height. But in that conversation, we explored how it doesn't matter how tall you are when you first start out of basketball, you have to start with layups. And mm-hmm. then you learn how to do a free throw and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's this... Uh, I guess internet blogger guy named James Stuber who has a really good uh, essay called The Boring Fundamentals. And it's kind of how he built his whole brand online where he's the guy who preaches about boring fundamentals. And for like the first 90% of your career, basically, your job is to be the best you can be at the fundamentals. And then once you've mastered the fundamentals, which like you're saying, takes so much longer than you actually think it will. Yeah. Then you get to actually do the fun stuff. Right. And by that time, you're good enough that people are paying attention to you. And I know you're going to get into this, but resources don't become the object at that point. Then they're a tool. Exactly. They're not something that's going to make you better. They're something that you can use to explore the skills you already have. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. You know, I'm really inspired by this too. Michael Jordan, even like all the way through his career, started every practice with a chess pass, the most basic pass in all of basketball, and would practice his chess pass at the beginning of every practice. And that, doesn't that give you chills? I feel like that's so inspiring that like the best player of all time knew that fundamentals were how he got there. Mm-hmm. And then practicing them, even as a legend in the sport, was important enough to do. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that puts it all in perspective for us, layman's, lay people Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to be great, trying to pursue something that we're not above practice. We're not above getting better. And, and really when we say I need this to do this, it's an excuse up until a very certain point. And that certain point is much further than we think. Mm -hmm. So really what it is, is we're saying we're bored. Yeah. Like we're not willing to work on the boring fundamentals because it's boring. Yeah. But we know it's important. Yeah. Or, or at least we, we now know after listening to this episode. Yeah, so now you're enlightened, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're welcome. Okay, so there's this kind of law that I'm going to uh, like trademark afterward, after this episode is released. What are you going to call it? Do you have a cool name for it yet? Yeah, uh, Jaquariusness, Worcestershire, Townsley, Field Theory. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Wow, do you have an, uh, a shortened version of that? Because I don't know if I can remember it. Uh, it's just like JB Theory. JB Theory? Yeah, okay. JB Theory of Resources. Let's hear it. Okay. So this is, and this is just something I've observed, all jokes aside, since I kind of been on this route and delved further down this path, there's, there's this natural thing that happens that when you emphasize practice or just when you get good in general and the better you get, the more resources, the more resources, the more opportunities, the more help. That was a big thing that I always sought, not necessarily resources, but help people to help me. The more of those things actually attract to you 
as, as you get better and better. And I've noticed this in my own career, as I've gotten better and better at music, I have more people to lean on because they see that I'm something to invest in versus I wasn't as much, as clearly something to invest in years, as years ago. And the better I get, the more people will surround me and the more people, pardon me, more people, probably money, probably tools, I will have at my disposal to be able to create what I want to create. But it's a natural progression and it, and it comes at the right time. It doesn't, it doesn't, you're not, you don't need resources. <laughs> they, will, they will find you when you're ready, basically mm-hmm. is what I'm getting at. So like, yeah. like Kanye has infinite resources right now because he's proven himself for 30 years or 20 years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he has a ranch in the middle of uh, Wyoming because he's proven that. He's proven that, if you give him resources, he can make great things. And so there's a natural law that happens there that basically the better you get, the more you attract. And I and it doesn't come... You know what that natural law is called? It has a name. Oh, what? It's called free markets. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's called capitalism. Oh, yeah. All right, fuck. Yeah. I, I think it is a little harder to distinguish in creative spaces, mm-hmm. especially if you're an indie artist. If, mm-hmm. if you're trying to get signed to a label or something, it makes sense. The label's not going to invest money into you unless you're good. Right. But as an independent artist, the same principle applies, but on the level you're talking about, like people are willing to help you. Yeah. People are willing to collaborate with you even. Totally. Yeah. So, I, I, after I put out this project, mm-hmm. I have way more people in my DMs asking to make music together yeah. than I did before. And rightfully so. Like, why would you, why, like, look at yourself in the face and you have, you have to ask yourself, what, like, yeah, we all have great aspirations and stuff, but what have you done to show your worth? Your worth? What, what do you have on paper? Because that's all people see. They don't see the grind necessarily, unless you're documenting and putting that out there because that's, that's on paper too. But, you know, I, I should probably do a better job of that. But, yeah, I, I mean, how can you expect people to want to help you if you don't have any sort of proven track record already? Mm-hmm. Like, no, no venture capitalist invests in a, in a startup that doesn't have results. Mm-hmm. Or not a smart one, I don't feel like. <laughs> not a smart venture capitalist. Yeah. It's a, a grueling process from reading Paul Graham's blog. Yeah. <laughs> Being a venture capitalist. Yeah. That's my only exposure to it, to be yeah. honest. And watching lots of Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Shark Tank expert, yeah. But yeah, that's that's gen- it's honestly very simple what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I think. I hope. So what could we do better as the brand living every now, whatever, in this realm? Because... I mean, obviously, we we want to grow. We want to be successful. We mm-hmm. want people to help us. We want people to to collaborate with us. Yeah. So how can we use what we have now more effectively? Well, I think we can do a better job. Like, like we don't need a fantastic budget to create amazing visuals. Mm-hmm. You know, we can create a concept on paper that executes at a very high level that's shot on an iPhone and it'd still be amazing, mm-hmm. you know? But focus on the concept and not necessarily the, the execution of the ideas because I feel like, or I guess at the quality of the execution of the ideas because the concept is what sells and makes people feel things, right? And then also we've we've kind of turned this stone recently, but like not trying to be anything that we're not mm-hmm. and just, you know, if we want to, provide free value, provide free value, but calling it a business, maybe it's not a business yet. It's just yeah, not, it's not a business. Yet. Yeah. We are making $0. Yeah. There's, n- there's no profit and loss statement at the end mm-hmm. of the day. And there's no, uh, accountant. And we so, don't want it to be that yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm okay with that, but 
let's be real about mm-hmm. it, right? Like, so I think we're doing good things. I think that those mm-hmm. are both in the vein of what we're talking about that we're kind of going for. Do you do you see any other obvious areas? I'm not sure specifically related to living every now, but I think once money comes into the discussion, it it, it changes it a little bit because gear is one thing and uh-huh. it's really obvious to, you know, point out that better gear doesn't always give you a better product right if you don't have the skills right and that transfers to to money as well but you know in your example as a as an aspiring musician you're limited in the music video that you could make totally and because of that what you can even imagine doing is a little bit constrained so i actually feel that way all the time and that's why i had this episode i feel that way all the time i feel like i you know, I have this idea, but I don't even know if I can execute it. Like, or what's, I have to always go, what's the MVP version of this idea so that I can execute the concept, but not necessarily the idea. Like that's yeah, what so, the, so talk to us the, about that. The me drinking coffee was like, it was enough nuance to paint, to get you interested in maybe the script and understand that that was a shot from the morning after, but I didn't have the production budget to put together the film that I had planned on shooting. But I did have I did have the resources to put together a script so I, and make my own website, all free. So I put those together, you mm-hmm. know? Like I exhausted those resources. Mm-hmm. But that's the key, right? Just exhausting what you have. And that's practice too, in a way. So I think if you just took the heuristic of taking every creative endeavor and giving it all you had, you're going to be in a good place and you're going to get better and you're going to get to a place where you get the right resources when you're ready to have them. Mm-hmm. This might be a bit of a diversion, mm-hmm. but what is your relationship with like perfectionism? Cause I can assume that when you care about this passion of yours so deeply, you want it to be perfect. You want what you put out there to be pristine and, and like the perfect, you know, manifestation of what you had in your brain. Mm-hmm. So how do you, scale that back in a way that I don't know, doesn't cheapen it or doesn't, you know, provide just another mental barrier, another hoop to jump through. Well, I guess that being a product designer has actually helped me with this because okay. I'm used to MVPs. I'm used to the minimum, minimum viable product for those of you that don't understand what that means. That's basically what is the most essential features here. And for, for a lot of ideas now about music, I have the resources to make the perfect songs. In my mind, at least exactly what I intended on. Mm-hmm. Not, not. I'm not saying they're great, or I, I'm not saying they're uh, perfect from a listener's perspective. I'm saying they were execution executed perfectly. Like I do that when I when I, when I released Born in Sunset, it was exactly what I intended it to be. Now, some aspects of it are not, but that's okay because the concept, like Charlie, my little brother, and there's a sound bite of him and I talking outside. And if it, it's not quite perfect technically because we're talking outside and it's nighttime and you hear the crickets in the background rubbing their, and frogs and everything because we're in Florida. But the scene's shot in New York and there's not crickets and frogs like in the location that I described in the script. So that's a little nuance that I would have probably taken out and recorded in a perfect booth had I had the resources to do that, but I didn't at the time because I was recording out of a closet and stuff. And so that's one thing where it's like, you can only give everything you have. And that's kind of how I measure my success too. So 
when I found out that I couldn't execute the film when COVID happened, that was honestly really mentally hard on me. Uh, cause I just put so much into it. I put so much like care and love into it and effort and had the team set up and everything. And like, uh, Reagan Henderson was going to shoot for me and all kinds of stuff. And she's, she's dope. Shout out to her. Um, but yeah, it just didn't, it just didn't have, it just didn't happen. But like what you have to do is like, what are you going to do now? This is, okay, this, the game has changed. The situation has changed. How do we not make excuses right now? And how do we execute? Well, how do we find a way to execute? I guess is how I think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, because if I just waited for resources to hit me, I wouldn't make anything. I don't think I definitely wouldn't have made that project. That project was unbelievably challenging to finish considering the circumstances of the world, uh, where I was recording it, et cetera. And, having to buy like all kinds of new stuff and like wait to have the money to do that and all kinds of stuff. So lots of fucking hard stuff went into that, but it was just, I don't want to make excuses and I want to give my all. How do I do that? That's what came out. Yeah. So that's that's how I, that's how I think about like this concept applied, I guess, because it's always going to be that like, you're always like anything can happen, Mm -hmm. you know? And it, it probably will always be like that. The, your mind's ability to come up with an idea is always going to be bigger than your budget. I think so, yeah. So I just got to get used to this. Yeah. But basically, I guess, getting back to the product design idea, what is the most essential, what is this thing I'm trying to say? And how can I execute that in maybe a more cost-effective way? Uh, if you think about business goals or your own budget limitations. <laughs> uh, that is why I have to say about yeah, your, yeah. your shoot. Yeah, so it's just, I learned this and, you know, it's interesting because I already had graphic design classes under my belt and I was already a paid freelancer, but I didn't learn this until I took a graphic design class in college. Uh, I forget her name, but she was, she taught me this one lesson and it's forever going to be uh, grateful. I'm forever going to be but grateful. You learned for something it. in college? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did. And she made us all start on paper before we ever got into our design tool. And that was one of the most helpful breakthroughs I've ever experienced because now I think about every concept in paper. I think about if, like, I can't, if I can't execute something visually in a storyboard frame, then no matter, like, no matter camera equipment, no matter lighting, no matter, not the best DP in the world, not the best uh, editing crew in the world, not even the best actor in the world is going to make that scene good or make that visual good. It's the same thing with music. No no amount of mixing, post-production, mastering, any of that is going to make my song good if it doesn't sound good on guitar. So that concept, I guess a sort of fundamentalist approach or an essentialist approach or a first principles approach to everything I create is helps me navigate the terrain of having grander ideas than maybe my budget or something or, or not having enough re- or feeling like I not have enough resources. Mm-hmm. Do you, have you ever felt like that? Cause I feel like you haven't because of the, w- where you've come from, but have you ever felt like that? And what I mean by where you come from is like the way you do code and kind of those things being widely available because they're mainly free. Yeah, I'm actually going to talk about this a lot on my next episode, so I won't spoil too much of it. Oh, okay, okay. okay. But I generally, I, I think this might be just my personality and uh-huh. more than um, 
any influences, but my personality probably informed my life decisions, which caused me to go down that path even more. Okay. Um, but no, I, I generally prefer to do things the simpler way just because I enjoy things that I can control. Oh, okay. And I can have more control over the simpler things most of the time. And luckily, simpler things happen to be cheaper. Yeah. So it, yeah. it works out well for me. I guess if you took this to a really practical perspective, if we think about living every now, for example, I'm going to take all of our visual storytelling and try and boil it down to a piece of paper and say, what's the concept here? Because, you know, words have power. We literally could write the words of what is going to happen in the shot. We don't even have to draw it. And if we can get that right and that creates an emotional connection or that is perfectly in line with the message we're trying to deliver in this visual piece of content, we can do, we deal with colors, you know, styling, all that stuff later. That's the most important part. Nailing that piece of paper. And guess what that took? A piece of paper and a pencil. Mm -hmm. Everybody has that. Yeah. At least everybody listening to this has that. Yeah. So I'm totally on board. Yeah. And if you don't have that, there's dirt in your finger outside. You can. Yeah. If you don't have that, <laughs> but you do have an iPhone and you're listening to this, I don't know. Go to CVS and get some pens and paper. Yeah, for real. Or uh, type it in on your iPhone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many, there's so many opportunities and we have way too many opportunities. Really, when you really put it in perspective that we need to be grateful for and like capitalize on and be better artists and creatives because of then rather than make an excuse and think we don't have enough because you do just practice mm -hmm. get better that's it yeah that's the hard part cool psa served <laughs> where can they find us i told them um if they really want to know how to find us they can Look in the show notes below. There's links to everything. Our website is liveinevernow.com. Twitter and Instagram, our handle is at liveinevernow. We have a Discord server in which we hang out and have fun. Come hang out. Yeah. Come have fun. And if you're in the Denver area, come get a pedicure with me. Wait. <laughs>